believe in fate? And if so, do you believe it's something that we are confined to? Something that we are trapped by, living according to its unchanging will, moving steadily within its intended direction? Or perhaps do you believe it's like a fly? One that's about impossible to catch, yet still one we reach out our hand for, because there's still that chance that we could reach it. A chance that we could control and change our fate. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today you're joined by myself, Craig, as I form part of the collective known as the Hacks. And today I'll be looking into the 2019 animated film Je Pelle Je Mon Coeur, or otherwise known by its English title I Lost My Body, which is a French drama based on the 2006 novel Happy Hand by Guillaume Lorraine, which has been adapted and directed by Jeremy Clapman follows intertwining stories of a severed hand, which Clapman has named Rosalie, and its journey in which it embarks upon in order to find its lost body, as well as the story of love, grief, loss, and self-discovery. It is a film that randomly caught my attention while scrolling along Netflix. I had noticed how unique the art style was and became quite intrigued enough to watch the trailer, which I'll be honest I soon pulled off immediately because I could feel it was something special, something that I wanted to dive into knowing as little as possible. So concerning this portion of the review, out of courtesy for you, I will leave this as spoiler free as possible. I Lost My Body first and foremost catches the eye with creative blending of 2D and 3D animation, which gives it that unique and artistic texture that draws one in with intrigue. But what really sells this picture for me is a soundtrack. It is one thing to use an art style to convey a story in its own way, but it's quite another to use sound to truly make something remarkable. And for me, this is exactly what this film and Dan Levy achieves. It does not set out to do too much at once, which prevents convolution, but instead remains patient with itself, striking seamless synergy between art and music, which are both used in tangent with the plot and truly serve to amplify it. The plot is by no means simple, yet it flows rather smoothly, like a chef systematically preparing a dish in the most natural yet professional manner. And the result? Most appropriately, a chef's kiss, followed by an applaud with stoic countenance. This movie paints a story with intentions of showing more than simply just telling, as each scene possesses intricacies that do not just add to the narrative in a conventional manner, but enrich it. It enriches the story with depth and meaning, years of experience shared and felt 
through symbolism and metaphors, showing so much to be interpreted, but never forcing it upon you, never causing an effect of ever feeling overwhelmed. It is a movie that makes one think as much as it does induce emotion. The attention to detail and careful writing has led to the movie succeeding in telling two intertwining narratives that are very differently themed, yet still manage to coexist within one body. The two stories connect with each other, but never quite touch. They are separate, but always together. And I will get into this in the next part of the review. But just to paint a small little image, both narratives peak toward the same sort of time, but going towards a conclusion, they are very different. One feels like it's stumbling and rolling towards a conclusion, yet the other feels like it's a leap of faith, yet they both connect with each other but never quite touch. And honestly, it's through this the movie is able to explore different themes, such as love and loss, hope and despair, self-discovery and futility, purpose and fate, the ups and downs of life and just the overarching sense of existence, for better or for worse. It is truly a movie and story that has touched me deeply. It is not perfect and it shouldn't be. What it needs to be is real, and that's exactly how it felt. As I conclude the non-spoiler section of this review, I implore you, if you haven't watched it yet, give it a try and experience it for yourself. And if you would be inclined, join me for the next part of this review as I do delve into the final details of what made this movie so special for me, as well as my concluding opinion on it. For one to get a feel of what this movie is about, one does not have to look too much further than the title track, Je Pelle Je Mon Coeur, as it fills one almost immediately with a sense of dreadful urgency, as it creates this looming heavy concern that feels all too real. It sticks with you from the very beginning of the movie, where we are caught within this tragic pattern that has been established in Nofel's life. And this heaviness only deepens and gains more sharpness as the movie goes along. That is not to say that a small bit of hope does not exist within this movie, even though it feels more like a flame within its last essence, which is about to be snuffed out at any moment. I mentioned in the previous part that this movie is centered around two intertwining narratives, and this indeed is the case, the main focal point. It really is one story told from three different angles. Now let me explain. The first, Nofel's severed hand, Rosalie, and its journey in finding its lost body, and it is within this perspective and narrative where we find most symbolism and meaning in this movie, 
which I shall touch upon in just a minute. Then we have the second narrative, which follows Nafal as a whole, and the journey in which leads up to the loss of his hand. And lastly, we have a sort of overarching flashback, which ties in both narratives together. This is done seamlessly and in the manner that truly is breathtaking when consumed as a whole. Nafal's I Lost My Body is finding hope in a hopeless situation, finding purpose even when there seems to be none. It is a young man who has been dealt an unfortunate hand during his adolescence, a young man ill-fated to mature drastically due to situations in which he has had to endure. This took place because of the loss of both his parents and the subsequent change in path in which his life was meant to take. And this is precisely where Rosalie, Norfell's severed hand, comes in. As it has been cut off, it mirrors the orphaned nature of Nafal, and the encounters that it experiences represents that of which he had to go through. I won't mention all the symbolism present, for time's sake, but I will mention a few in particular that stood out for me. The first of which is Rosalie, where it escapes the lab in which it was confined and finds itself the next day on top of the roof drainage where a bird's nest lays, with eggs and the mother pecking at it, then trying to remove it to protect her unborn children. This scene for me represents the comfortability or rather comfortable reassurance and security that Nafal's parents presented to him. But the scene ends tragically as Rosalie is about to fall from the roof and grabs a hold of the bird's neck, subsequently grabbing onto its life and ending it, which represents the drastic maturity that Nafal went through, losing his innocence and his place of security. Another scene in particular is where Rosalie lands in the trash and the garbage truck comes to collect it and in doing so crushes the trash along with Rosalie. This represents a crushing nature that Nafal went through but Rosalie escapes the garbage truck in a ravioli sauce can which represents Nafal's bleeding emotionally and perhaps even physically. But the can covering Rosalie also shows how Nafal was closed off and perhaps hid himself from the world. From here, Rosalie, still within the tin can, wanders around almost as if it is lost towards the subway. And as it does so, a mishap leads to it rolling down an escalator towards an oncoming train. In the scene, Rosalie seems lost, but still maintaining its purpose to get back to its body. But what the scene represents is Nafal, who is lost, but still searching for purpose. And within this lost state, I believe it could also in fact symbolise contemplating suicide or at the very least being in the brink of it. Not in a way to promote or romanticize it, 
but in a way to highlight the nature of it. And to finish it off, we have the rats under the subway, vicious and violent in their curiosity and intentions. This relates to the bullies or people in the foul's life which terrorized him as a youth and could indicate that he had to fight back to live. This scene is cold and anxiety-inducing, helped along by an incredible job done by Dan Levy. The theme of rats or being a questionable person comes up a couple times late in the movie. But what this scene also shows is the environment in which Nofal had to grow up in. It is due to this exploration that we are able to connect and sympathize with Nafal as a character even when he makes questionable decisions with seemingly good intentions. The Nafal part of the narrative focus on, focuses on his pursuit of this young librarian he encountered during a failed pizza delivery even though they do not physically meet Gabrielle leaves a great enough impression to gain interest and through what borders obsession he gains affection. Nafal acts out of impulse and even though this could be seen as a charming romantic trope as it is presented as such, when we reflect upon it we see it as a lot to do with how the movie depicts fate and purpose. At first, it isn't necessary Nafal's intention to stalk her, even though that's clearly what he's doing while searching for a number. It is when he misses her at the library, he takes the initiative to follow her. And in doing so, it's not clear whether he intends to follow her the whole way through. But even so, he deals with inner conflict on the train where he ultimately makes the decision at the last minute to follow her. It is through this decision that his life begins to take a different sort of path. For perhaps the first time since his parents' passing, Norfell has taken the first step in what seems to be a new path, and this is true for the most part until the story's it is astonishing how incredibly smooth each part intertwines with each other. The use of flashbacks play an important role not just in transitioning or tying in the narratives, but it really adds more substance to them. A lot of who Nafal is is present in the flashbacks that are conveyed in a number of different ways giving off a dream-like effect and texture, something so distant it feels as if it's fantasy. The core of his being has been established from these memories, such as the nature of him recording different sounds and capturing different moments and memories, which ultimately played a big part in his future. Another element is how skilled and sort of self-aware he is as a kid, practicing the piano and asking questions out of observant curiosity. His dreams were to become a pianist and an astronaut, both of which has been taken away from him. 
yet still live and are highlighted and symbolized in Rosalie's portion of the movie, where it showcases that he still has an innate sort of ability within him. And even though his life did sort of lead to a path that did not showcase who he was as a person, it still lays and rests within him. But the thing that ties everything together, or rather is a constant throughout the whole movie, is the appearance of the fly, which has this harsh metallical-like sound to it, and makes its presence notable. And for me, the fly could represent a number of different things, such as fate, and as much as we try to catch it, and control it, it always seems to escape our grasp. Yet we still try anyway. And this is exactly what Nafal tries to do, which results in him losing his hand. He did not just want to try change his life, but capture it and make it his own. Another thing in which the fly could represent is a bad omen, as the fly was present before both tragedies happened in Nafal's life. This movie beautifully reaches its peak and decline around the same time, but in different sort of ways, and perhaps the most important moment during this movie is when Rosalie finally finds Nafal's lost body. They do not touch but Rosalie itches ever closer until finally Nafal changes sleeping position. And this for me really puts the whole movie into perspective for me. As I was led to wonder whether Rosalie, Rosalie's journey really happened or was it just some grand metaphor. Yet a year later... I am sat here, still wondering that very notion, which the movie has deliberately used to create this wonderfully ambiguous ending that induces thought and conversation around the subject of fate. I do not know the fate that befell our main character, Nafel, but in a story where hope has been taken away a number of times, I am still led to feel hopeful, not just in the story of Nafal, but also in my own. I chose to hope even if the world seems hopeless, and I suppose that is just my fate. Another thing I have hope for is the art of storytelling, the art of creation, and for me this form and story carry that very essence and soul of art but also the clear breathing and heart-beating life within it. I'll be honest and say this is not a movie in which I wanted to write, but out of consistency for this podcast, I will. For this particular movie, I will give it a 9.5 out of 10 and give it the highest bar of praise I can. Lastly, and most importantly... I would just like to thank all of you for listening. It has been a pleasure talking to you about this. And I hope you guys took something from this. Even if it's something that I've done for you to laugh at. Just remember, you are the best.
I'm Craig, signing out for the Hex Podcast. Until next time. Thank you.